Welcome to the Bar Variations Podcast. Go behind the bar with me, your host, Michelle Duvall, as I interview leaders in the bar industry. We'll talk about how bar impacts their lives, what's inspiring them today, and take the conversations that usually stay in the studio out into the community. Grab a seat because there's plenty of room at the bar. Want a one-stop shop for all your bar needs? Over the past few years, Bar Where You Are has continued to evolve to offer something for every bar enthusiast out there. Through their ever-growing on-demand workout library, weekly live stream options, small in-person classes, and multiple instructor trainings and workshops, Bar Where You Are strives to deliver joy, accessibility, and a sense of community. Oh, and did I mention their super cute bar swag for all you bar babes? Head over to www.barwhereyouaresc.com to check out all they have going on and use promo code BVBWYA for 10% off. If you're a certified hashtag bar addict like I am, then you can definitely appreciate a bar-inspired graphic tank top or sweatshirt. Good news for those of us who can't get enough, Bar Goods Co. has apparel designed for and inspired by bar. And if you need that extra little bit of motivation to get yourself to class, you'll be happy to know they use only the softest fabrics available to help you express your love of the bar world. Check out their go-to line of screen-printed goodies including workout tops, sweatshirts, and even infant onesies for bar addicts in training. Plus, they've recently introduced digital products including creative resources for bar professionals and studio owners to take the guesswork out of what to post online so you can spend more time managing your business and less time worrying about what you're going to post on Instagram. And guess what? Listeners of the Bar Variations podcast can use the code VARIATIONS25 to take 25% off their first order. That's code VARIATIONS25 in all lowercase letters. Visit bargoods.com now to start shopping. Are you a social bar butterfly or just getting started in bar fitness? Do you want to feel good and look good during your sweat session? If the answer is yes, you must visit fitforbar.com and shop their exclusive activewear and athleisure styles designed for your bar workout and beyond. From hats to bar socks and everything in between, each piece from this female-owned boutique has been bar-tested and approved from the best in the business. And with free domestic shipping, easy returns, and a buy-now-pay-later option, fitforbar.com provides an online shopping experience fit for a bar queen. So go ahead and treat yourself to some new apparel from fitforbar.com. You deserve it. Happy shopping. All right, Bar Variations podcast listeners, I've got a great exclusive deal for you. I know one thing for sure, and that's that we all have too many grippy socks in our closet, but we can't get enough. So (laughs) the Point Studio has offered you, the listeners, a discount on their amazing grippy socks. They're the next best thing from being barefoot. You get 15% off your order with the code BAR VARIATIONS. That's code BAR VARIATIONS, all one word, to receive 15% off your next purchase at pointstudio.com. Welcome back to the Bar Variations Podcast. I'm here today with Jenny Nagel, one of the guest teachers on the Bar Variations Video Library, one of the most amazing dancers and humans and people that you should know. So check her out. And so yeah, welcome, Jenny. Hi, thanks for having me, Michelle. I'm so excited to be on with you today. I'm so excited too. And um, can you just let the listeners know a little bit about kind of like who you are, what you do, and just like a brief before we dive into a juicy topic. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm actually um, on the central coast of California and I am a professional dancer, ballet teacher, and I actually run my own bar program called Body by Jenny and which is just like truly my baby. And yeah, that's, that's kind of what, what I do and who I am. I love it. I love it. And I love like all your branding too, because, um, the tigers and the animal prints and the everything I now associate <laughs> with you. And like, yes. Like, like a jewel eyed tiger. Like, yes, please put a lion at my front door. I, I love, I love that stuff. Oh. Um, I wish I could pull off the like Armani kind of like mobster wife look like I, <laughs> my Jersey girl like comes out and I'm like I want to have a gold chain and leopard print but girl you're in off. Jersey you can pull it off <laughs> you, <laughs> you can pull it off um and th- this is a digression but there's a whole like gen what are they called gen z uh are pushing back on the uh, side part and I'm like no I'm like the whole side part for me is like can I get my hair bigger on my head like I can't middle part exactly (laughs) yeah you can't middle part that no 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 it's so good so you mentioned you're a professional dancer can you I asked this question to all the podcast guests you know where did you get your start in movement kind of take us through that early journey and I know for dancers it starts pretty early <laughs> it, it does and gosh I started taking and I always say like movement classes because mm-hmm. I was about four years old when I started taking like kind of creative dance classes and it was just like I remember the name of the studio it was called Cranenbergs. like I have this name Cranenbergs. It just sounds so like kind of scary actually the name but um I wanted to take tap and so my mom and dad enrolled me and I like I took tap and they did like kind of like just little tumbling classes and like I said just kind of learning to like follow the rules of a class and I hated it I remember Mm -hmm. I like remember this being one of my first memories of like literally hating the class and so yeah, I dropped out of it and I probably didn't go back to taking any type of tap. Tap was like the first form of dance I took. Mm. And so I was around like five and a half and then we found a local studio and yeah, from then it was like history. I like fell in love with it. I had my little group of friends. It was all about the little performances and tutus. And so I would say like probably five and a half is when I really got like this serious, if you can be serious at five and a half. Well, I mean, (laughs) I have memories of taking dance classes and I remember being told I was too silly. I think I was like seven years old and I'm like, wow, like maybe I should have been a little bit more mature, but I'm also like, should I have been? I'm in dance class doing creative movement, which is supposed to be mm-hmm. creative and free and fun. Um, totally. So I always get fascinated, you know, as a teacher yourself of dance, like, you know, putting such strict uh rigid rules behind creativity and how that can uh, make you flourish as an artist and how it can really like turn a small child off of being like yeah like I just I wanted just want to have fun I just want to have fun exactly and it's like oh you can't laugh but it's like but what we're doing is funny and fun like (laughs) you you really should you yeah I feel like that age you really should just be going in and just having fun and just like being creative and, you know, playing with the scarves and having fun with mm-hmm. your friends, but also starting to kind of implement a little bit of that, a little bit of that structure. You know, I forever without being long-winded, I taught three to five-year-olds mm. and that was the most challenging age to try to work with. Mm-hmm. And every week I would go in and think I've got it this time. I've got it down. I know exactly how I'm going to teach. I know. And it, you know, it just doesn't go that way. It never goes no. that way. And no, by the end is. of the hour, yeah, it's, it's like the end of the hour. I found, I was like, you know, you want to be in tears because you're just like so frustrated, but you know, I did it for years and it's I, a challenging it, age. It is a challenging. I also did the same. I taught, you know, anywhere between, uh, barely three to, you know, 18 and above. And I, <laughs> I will never forget this. I had a group of three and four year olds and it was, I don't think it was like creative movement or ballet or something. And, um, you know, yeah, your whole, you're herding cattle at that point. You're teaching the basics of like, stand in a line, sit and wait your turn, you know, be confident and stand there and do this by yourself. Like it's so basic, which is yep. appropriate for that age. But then they're also super silly and they are super bossy. And I had a whole class. I don't know how it happened, but one girl started mooing 
at me. Not like towards me as a person, but she started mooing. And then they all started mooing. And I was like dying. I and then not you started and then you started mooing. Yeah, we were all mooing at each other. And they were like hysterical. And I can remember the director coming and being like, what is happening? And I'm like, I don't know. Mutiny mooing. Like, I'm not sure we're just gonna let it happen. Because I mean early on I learned that like we're all just a bunch of preschoolers we just have more vocabulary and maybe a little bit more restraint but like we still need to be like structured because we enjoy that and we can flourish in that structure and boundaries we know how you know we know our boundaries and stuff and there's so much to learn in that but it's just like (laughs) oh I feel yeah it is such a hard age yeah I, I'm glad I'm not teaching at age uh, at this current time, but <laughs> totally now they're so professional. They're like, I'm sorry. I know more than you. I'm like, Oh God, maybe you do know. Um, so you were a professional, you are a professional dancer. So take us through that. So you've, you started at a young age, you didn't like it. You loved it. And then it became your profession. Yeah, it became my entire world, my entire life. And what's really interesting is that my parents, like, I think you, you know, people always think like, you always have this kind of like vision of like dance parents or like dance mom. Like my parents were not dancers. My mom was not, you know, my mom played piano and she was really artistic and creative, but she just never had a background in dance. So they were like supportive of it, but they like never pushed me to do it. In fact, I mean, I feel bad for them now, just like driving me all the time to dance class. But yeah, I mean, it was really my own thing. Like I, I spent hours upon hours from the time I was five and a half until, you know, I'm going to give away my age. I'm going to be 40 in June, but basically, you know, my entire life has been dedicated to, to dance. And um, yeah, so I basically started at a studio. I grew up in Bakersfield and It was kind of a smaller town at that time, but surprisingly it had a ton, a ton of studios, a ton of ballet studios. And um, so I kind of just stuck with the studio I found when I was about five and a half and grew from there. We had a pre-professional ballet company that I was able to be a part of. And we did many, many performances uh, throughout the year, including my favorite, The Nutcracker. And we actually got to perform with a live orchestra, which was kind of unheard of in that area. Um, which was huge. And it was just like the main, it was the main like event, the main attraction. And so I did that up until I was probably about 16. And then I started, um, I switched studios at that point and I started dancing with, I'm going to name drop here, but, um, I don't know if you're familiar with, um, New York city ballet's principal dancer, Tyler Peck. Mm-hmm. Okay. So her mom actually had a studio in Bakersfield. And so I got to train with her mom. Yeah. For a long time. I worked with a friend of hers. So I worked at this studio um, called Shay's Fitness and then mother daughter run company. And the daughter was a New York city ballet dancer and friends with Tyler. So I don't know personally, but small world. That's so funny. (laughs) Yeah. Her mom is absolutely fabulous she's I mean she's she actually was the dance she was she owned her own studio it was called princess studios at the time and um it's not called that anymore I'm blanking on what it's called now it's been so long but um she actually was also my high school dance teacher so not only get to, did I get to train with her after school but I was also her teacher's assistant mm-hmm. and so during high school I got to I got to do dance as my first period oh, and I got to work okay. with her so it was so fun. And then, yeah, so that's kind of, that was kind of like my early training. Um, yeah, all in Bakersfield basically. And which, and I mean, how just not, was it like a couple hours from Los Angeles? So I'm actually not surprised that there's that many studios. Cause I feel like just like New York city, like you go out an hour, couple hours and there's so much in the arts and so much in dance, especially because it's semi-close to a big city where you could potentially go and audition or you could go exactly so the interest yeah the interest is there for sure I mean and when I say like I'm probably making it sound really bad like it's the small like country town it really wasn't I mean it's grown so much um but but I also came from a town like that and it was an hour from the the city I mean it's the town's grown now I mean we didn't have any chain or branded stores like there was oh wow CBS, 
There's no, like, <laughs> I mean, you have was, to have a CVS. I mean, no, oh, when the 24 hour CVS came, we were like, what, what? And the Dunkin' Donuts, forget it. I was in college. Like, so that's I wow. Mean, anyways, a very small, very country town. And it's yeah, bad. but it, uh, you know, I mean, people were commuting into the city. And so there was the interest there to like not have to. Well, I think too, I'm sure the parents are smart enough. They were like, I'm not driving my kid into LA in that traffic let's make sure there's a studio here. You know, somebody knew that like people would want to keep their kids close by, not exactly have to drive so far to ha- have like professional. And, and a lot of people, you know, I feel like I always, not always, I've lived in cities. I've lived in LA, I've lived in New York, and I've also lived in small towns. And I feel like sometimes the cities, they get all the glory. Like, oh yeah, we're the best, we're the biggest. We got all of the things, but it's other places too. And I, I would like to argue that sometimes it can be better outside because you can have a stronger sense of community because you don't feel like you're competing with Absolutely. millions of people, right? Absolutely. I totally agree with that. I think you said that perfectly. It's so true. I mean, there's been times like, you know, now that I've moved away from Bakersfield and, you know, I live, I mean, I'm not that far from there now. I'm on the central coast, but I live in like a smaller beach town, I guess. And, um, you know, I like, I actually sometimes miss it. Like I just, it, you're right. There's such a community there and um, you just, you have your group, you have your friends and yeah, it didn't, it didn't growing up, like dance can be so competitive, like, oh, it can be like so, so competitive, but it just didn't feel that way. I don't know. I don't ever really remember feeling with my group, my home studio, just like feeling mm-hmm. that super crazy competitive edge, you know? And I'm sure if I would have been in like LA or San Francisco or something like that when I was younger I probably would have but um yeah we were fortunate enough to have a good pre-professional company that um that they were just it was so supportive yeah and just so professional Mm -hmm. and I I mean that I mean a community is key and then be the competition of like healthy competition where everybody's into the same thing everyone's trying to better themselves and you're being inspired and all of that and then I kind of sheltered myself from that negative competition. I didn't want to be a competition dancer. I did it. I competed in gymnastics and that, that to me was so much more skills based in the way where it was like, you knew exactly what your deduction would be. Like you only could do it one, one way. So it was very systematic. It was very much a formula of of point system. Mm-hmm. And so that didn't bother me. And I knew like, I can't do that skill. So I'm not going to get, I did double pirouettes on a balance beam and that's going like, okay, like an outside. <laughs> so most, so on day or so most yeah. people are doing inside turns. Not, not right. Like, I'm not Simone Biles, but I would do a double <laughs> outside turn because I didn't want to do a back walkover. Like I was <laughs> rigging the system just to get more points because I'm like well I don't want to go backwards like I'm yeah double pirouette and I I liked the floor routine the floor was like my jam and at that time there was not you were not allowed to specialize in the system I was in you had to do everything and I was still had to do everything but now I also did the same thing I did I did the same thing too I had a background in competitive gymnastics too but it was at that point where you were doing all everything. You weren't specializing in one. And it got to the point where my parents were driving me back and forth to dance classes, back and forth to gymnastics classes. And then they're like, you have to choose. Like we, cause I was missing gymnastics meets and mm-hmm. they're like, you can't be on a gymnastics team and be missing meets. And so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I had, I was forced to make the choice too. I mean, I, I also, it was time I had to do a back uh, tuck off the beam and I literally like lost my bananas. I was too old when I started. So I didn't have, I had a healthy fear. <laughs> and so <laughs> I knew that I could build a skill to get something, but then I was like, oh no, I don't, I can't do that. And they're like, no, you can't. I'm like, mm, nope, nope, I can't. <laughs> nope, nope. Good. Totally blocking that. I'm too old to know that I could crack my skull on this balance beam, but that's okay. So I, yeah, for, yeah, it was either like, you have to spend more time in the gym or, you know, make the choice. So, which like, you know, kind of going back to that competition you, for you, how was it? Like, and we'll kind of dive into now, I feel like everybody's living in a world of some kind of performance and competition with social media. You know, there's yes. now documentaries about it and listen, there's good things about it. And I think 99% of my business is social media. And 
how I met you. It's how I met everybody that's been on this podcast just about. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you started performing professionally, did you feel like that changed for you? Um, oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. So when I, so when I left Bakersfield, I won't be super long-winded, but I met my husband um, and we actually moved to San Francisco and we lived there for about two and a half years. And during that time, I literally was not, I was hardly dancing at all. I was broke. We had, I mean, to be quite (laughs) honest, we had like no money at that time. We were just like barely making ends meet, but we were having a blast living in the city. And then it wasn't until um, we moved to San Luis Obispo that I started dancing professionally with the Civic Ballet of San Luis. It's, and it's a balance. Like I think some of it's good and like, it's hard not to have the good, with the bad feelings or the self-conscious feelings. I was always somebody that you know, I think the introverted extrovert is like most performers, right? Like we have such a yeah. separation of like fourth wall of like, I'm in a role, you know, even for myself, I'm playing teacher, I'm playing motivator. I'm, you know, I'm playing these parts that yes, they're within me, but like maybe not on a day to day, you know, I'm actually pretty shy and I'm definitely somebody that was like, I'll wait my turn. Right. Yeah. You know, and it's like, that doesn't work in a competitive field. Like, like, oh, I'll just wait until somebody, like I did all the things I checked all the boxes. I, it is now my time and that's not how, how it works. And I was able to, you know, perform and I was able to do the things I wanted to do, but I definitely think there were certain moments that if I kind of grabbed it by the horns a bit more and put myself in a position of, you know, more confidence and being like, Hey, you know, this is for me, or like, I want this role, or I want to work with you. Maybe things have been different, you know? I totally agree. And I think a lot of that, like I said, for myself is just more about me feeling pressure or me just maybe not being as maybe not being as open as I should have been and just being more closed off. Cause I was just, I don't know. I just, like I said, I can be an introvert when I want to be obviously like probably one of the best experiences, like, you know, really like as time went on and I started getting comfortable within the company and kind of growing with the company, I, I, it's been such a great experience and it's amazing. So into like a new community and I think, and it's great. And I think, you know, now having to, like, I can't imagine having done my dance career. I mean, I started the, the market crashed and I graduated, like, that's not a way to start. And I feel like I actually feel for people now with the pandemic, I'm like, oh my God, like, okay, the market was one thing. This is like now nothing. I mean, things existed. You just weren't getting paid for them. Now nothing. Exists. Yeah. I don't think I would have continued on it and been like, all right, all right. Like, I guess I'm sitting this one out. Like, I don't, I don't think I have stamina, but maybe I would have, I wouldn't have known any different, but happy mm-hmm. having graduated in down economy, you know, you're trying to figure things out. I don't know how I would have fared well because I wasn't into the competition part of performing and that and auditioning and, you know, having social media now, I feel like teaching, like as a teacher, like I can remember like, like, yes, in the convention circuit, is there competition between other teachers? Yeah, maybe. But like, I feel like in the fitness industry, the competition that is presented and that kind of old school mentality of like, I don't even know what they're competing for. It's not like there's a title. <laughs> there's not like a, a, a no. we're all working for, but I, I had a conversation with, um, it's, she's going to, I don't know what episode it is, but Natalie Muse in London, she was, she said it perfectly of like, there's so many teachers right now trying to impress other teachers and they're forgetting about their clients and who they're Uh serving. Absolutely. I I totally feel that way. I, yep. She said it perfectly. Yeah. It's true. And, you know, I want to know from you, like when you started coming online, like what, you know, we're not far off in age and we weren't this social media for us, like social media for me was like college Facebook. Like I, like I entered college Mm -hmm. on Facebook it became a worldwide thing. I was like, oh, weird. Like, I don't want my parents on this. Like, <laughs> yeah. And used it. It would never cross my mind. And it's, I think, hard for younger people to believe this, but it was not, it was not crossing anyone's mind to use it mm-hmm. as a social network 
in that way. It was like a friend, not even a promotion. It was not even thought about for business. So those who have thought about it as a business tool early on, kudos because those are the ones with like lots of, you know, tons of followers. Um, So for you, you know, can you take us down like when you entered social media and kind of like what you wanted to use it for and maybe your impressions of it? Absolutely. And I think it's such a, not that you weren't on before, but yeah, no, it's just such a great topic. And, um, well, I actually didn't get on to any type of social media. I never had like Facebook. I never had any of those things, no Instagram or anything until about the end of like 2018, 2019, probably. And I really, at that point I had, uh, I was actually renting, um, a space, a studio space from the civic ballet where I was at to teach my bar classes, which was wonderful. And I kind of wanted to just expand and, um, just try to gain more clients. And I thought, well, I'll just, here's how naive I was. I thought I'll just jump on Instagram and, you know, everyone else gets like 10,000 followers. So I'll just get on there and, you know, I'll just (laughs) post my stuff on there and it'll be easy. And it was not, (laughs) it was not easy. And, but the perception of that, for me was like, wow, like how, how are all these instructors and individuals so successful on here and like making all of this money. And like, I can't even break like 200 followers. Like I just couldn't wrap my brain around it, you know? Mm -hmm. And it took me a while because I wasn't super tech savvy, as you know, I'm always asking you questions about things. Um, but I, it took me a while to kind of like get that there's like a, a little game with the, the following, right. The unfollow and the Mm -hmm. follow game where, you know, it, it took me a while though, because someone would follow me and I was like, like I said, just being naive, like, Oh great. This person followed me. I'm going to follow them back because I'm going to support their page. And, you know, and I just didn't see, I didn't see the game and like go deep enough into that. But now after being on for like a, you know, two year or two, I see that like, there's this whole like underground, like social media thing happening. (laughs) Well, and I always question like, what is the purpose of that? Right. So to kind of back up to like, when, you know, there's certain, listen, talent aside, right. So many of us are so talented and undiscovered talent. And there are people out there that are very successful who are also very talented, not that they didn't work hard, but there are some people that got on at the ground level where there was no algorithm. Uh-huh. Right. And they're gaining, right. gaining, 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 gaining followers. Right. And then it became, oh, yes. you have to set your notifications so you will see this person's post right then the feed changed right then the algorithm changed the feed so there's been so many layers of how basically to push people to pay to promote posts right because exactly and so that that ultimately kind of like crushed like even when I got on for my business like three a little over three years ago I was gaining hundreds of organic people a day oh wow yeah and I was like what is happening it's yeah not the case anymore it's cha- and now they are pushing reels I'm a new mom I don't have time for that all the time I would love to it's great but like you can only do what you can do right so my bit like people ask me oh, how do you gain how do you get I'm like listen how do you make a friend in real life you have to say right. hello you have yeah. to actually like what they're putting out there. I don't like people to follow my page and not engage. And I know a lot of people don't engage. Mm-hmm. Fine. But in different ways, like, are you watching? Are you not watching? Are you commenting? Are you liking? Like, I don't have a lot of people that are just non-bar people, right? So then that's going to limit how many people are following me, right? So yes, exactly. The targeted followers, I think, are so much more important. And I know... I mean, maybe you can list some fun, like, why are we doing this? I'm not (laughs) huge into the, like, follow pods. Like, hey, follow my business and I'll follow yours. And now all of a sudden we have 100 new people following us. Yes, I've get, okay. I've been getting a Are lot you... of those recently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't ever do it because I'm like, I don't have time to go through and find all of these pages and follow them. Like, it's you know, so, it's so time consuming. And I have to say, I have organically anybody that is commenting on my post, I know who they are. Not because mm-hmm. I met them 100 years ago. It's because I engage in their page. They consistently engage in mine. I know everyone's little 
space just because I spend that kind of time. Not that I haven't yeah. been a pods, but I don't do it anymore because I see that it's not, it's not my audience, number one. Like if you're going to engage my page, I'm here, you know, selling courses and resources and a community, not selling. Absolutely. Hosting a community. So if you want to be a part of it, be a part of it, but I'm not going to force you to be like, go girl. Well, and I agree with you. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, that's converting zero and this is not doing sure. Is it bumping the algorithm a little? Maybe, but not so much anymore. Not like it used to. Like early on influencers were getting tons of followers because all their followers were other influencers and they joined like a pack to follow each other. Exactly. And they followed each other. Exactly. And it's just not working out that way. So is there any like other things that you see on social media that you're like, what is this purpose for? Oh, there's so many. And it's just like a daily frustration sometimes. And I've had, remember, well, when I talked to you when we did our coaching call, um, yeah, the frustration for me is, um, is really, well, one, the, in order to really be successful and sell your online brand and gain new potential clients, like people see, look for that following count, whether, whether I like it or you like it or not, they're looking for that because it's almost like this clout, you know, you have, you have 10,000 followers or you have the swipe up. And so Mm -hmm. that makes you legit. You know, it doesn't matter your talent. It doesn't matter how long you've been doing what you've been doing. It doesn't matter what, how great of a teacher you are, that it's that number that matters to people. And really and truly how great your, your, your photos are and your videos or now reels are, is really what's yeah, important. Cause it's, it's yeah. I, I agree with you. I think, you know, I, listen, anybody can teach. Awesome. I'm all for it. There's plenty of room obviously for everyone. I mm-hmm. do think it's frustrating. We are not ancient people. We are not retirees trying to figure out the internet. <laughs> I'm 34 years old. Like, I feel like as a middle, I call myself, whatever, I think there's a comedian, Eliza Schlesinger, middle-aged millennial, and she coined that term. I'm a middle-aged millennial. You know, like, I'm right in the middle. I got steamrolled in the culture. I was like, well, what is happening? How am I 90 years old to my peers? Like, this is ridiculous. 90. I, <laughs> like, I did this and we have a business card. I don't know what's going on. But like- Oh my goodness. To your point, the- when people look at those numbers, like it, it, you're right. I think you're absolutely right. Like it, it becomes like a snowball, but it then it becomes like snowball, like lemmings where it's like, people just like it because everyone else is liking it and it's popping up and you're like, just clicking, 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 whatever, double tap, double tap. And oh yeah. it becomes a bit more meaningless. So, and it's hard to ignore that it's hard to ignore that. It's hard to be like, Oh, because it is such a climb. And I know, you know, listen, I didn't pay for followers. I didn't pay for any bots liking like those stuff. Those things don't Mm -hmm. exist anymore. Mm -hmm. Certainly did. And a lot of people use that just to get the swipe up. And so they took it away. Um, Okay. And uh, that was like, I think right when they changed the swipe up thing or like added it, people are buying followers just to get the swipe up as a business because they're like, well, it's just people are now clicking link directly from the stories. You know, there's good and bad to that. Like you're, it's super directed and targeted, but with, again, the lots of followers to no followers, it's then like, who are you talking to? Would you rather talk to, like, if we put it in real life, like if I had 200 people come to my class, I'd be like, Yes. I, right. That's a lot of people. On, right. If I'm online and I'm speaking to 200 people, like me, oh, it's not 200,000. You know, we get in this weird head game of like, well, who exactly is there? And, you know, I always. Oh, yeah. It's like a total like desensitized. You're totally yeah. desensitized to the numbers because then it's like you said, 200 people who physically came, say they showed up to your, your, your bar variations class. That would be mm-hmm. a tremendous event you know, yeah. 200 people showing up to a class, but 200 people online, that's like, eh, that's like, you know, it's, it's not that much anymore. It's not that many. It doesn't feel that, you know, it's just desensitized to that number. It's, and it's exactly like you said, like, I don't know. It's yeah. And it, yeah, and it it's frustrating. Negates, yeah. And it negates skill, right? Like yeah, if you're busy teaching and doing your thing and serving your community, you may not have time to put into the social media that you want to because you're running, we're all running around business, even if we work for somebody else, even if you're teaching yeah. on someone else's schedule, 
you're essentially running a business inside a business. So it, I, I hope the pendulum swings where it becomes a, once again, a tool to support everything else. Right. And obviously the big switch with like pandemic, all of a sudden, those who weren't focusing online, all of a sudden felt as if they had to have, you know, thousands of followers in order to have a successful business. So can yes. you speak upon, you know, your pandemic transition and how, you know, how that kind of has played out in the last year, like when it comes to like. Absolutely. Online. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's been really challenging for me. And, you know, just, gosh, we've been, we're coming up on a year now of being in this pandemic. And like I said, I was so happy teaching my bar fitness classes, you know, at the Academy of the Civic Ballet and being able to rent that space. And then all of a sudden, just like everyone else, it came to a halt and it puts you in a situation where you, if you want to keep your business going, you have to figure it out. You have to navigate this Mm -hmm. online, which forces you to figure out technology you've never used before. Um, editing and trying to get your, you know, promote your business on social media. There's a lot of frustration that comes with that. And, um, you know, a lot of what ifs that comes with that as well. So I think for me, it's been, it's been such a challenge and I feel like I've just kind of gotten to the point and it's been a year that I'm starting to get more comfortable with social media, with, um, you know, actually editing and, doing the things that I need to do to run an online program, but I probably would have never, ever taken that step. Um, so I guess that's a good and bad thing, you know, when you, if you look at it like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's coming from like most of, most people were just in person teaching, right? You know, yeah. the, when I started live streaming three years ago, other people were doing it. It just was not many. Right. And people were like, Oh, I'm going to take class with you. I'm like, yeah, come take class. But yeah, the explosion, I think the acceleration of the change and the pivot and everybody doing it at the same time became very overwhelming because it all of a sudden felt, you know, instead of mm-hmm. thinking like, who am I serving in my immediate community? It automatically felt like, oh my God, now I have to have 10,000 people following me if mm-hmm. to feel successful or to be successful. And that's just isn't the case. You wouldn't have 10, you know, that many people coming to you in person. And then it begs the question of like, maybe what are some things that you've done to reach out to the a broader community online to get people in your Well, yeah, that's been really challenging too. And I, well, one has been, I think really collaborating with you and being able to have another platform to showcase my work. And I think that's been great because there's been a lot of um, people who have come onto my Instagram page that said, Oh, I'm so happy. I found you through bar variations. So that's I been a role. That. I had such a proud mom moment. The other yeah. Time. I mean, so that's been really, that's been really amazing. And that's one of the positives of social media, I think is just connecting with like-minded people who share your love for bar or share your love for dance and genuinely want to connect with you. And so yeah, bar variations for sure has been such a, a positive and um, just meeting people from that. And, you know, I've, so I've met people just from bar variations and then, you know, you kind of meet, you're on their page, you're commenting, and then you kind of meet their, their, Mm -hmm. their people and they kind of come to your page. So I've really started to feel like I'm part of more of a bar community Mm -hmm. um, instead of just being like a solo, Mm -hmm. solo business, you know, like you can't do it by yourself. You need community. You need people who are going to hype you up. You need people who you're going to hype up and you're going to cheer each other on. And I think that I think that that's so important um, rather than just having, you know, a dull page where you're just all about yourself and, you know, you're not interacting with anybody and they're not interacting with you. Yeah. I mean, the moves are the moves, your techniques, your technique, it'll speak for itself as soon as you start moving. And as soon as you start teaching, but why people Mm -hmm. stay is because of who you are. And, you know, people, I'm, thank you for saying that number one, like that makes Mm -hmm. me proud because I didn't feel like I had that community. So I, as an introverted person, had to muster up a lot of like, hi, my name's Michelle. What is your name? <laughs> like strength to build a community that in a network and to see it expanding beyond me is like proudest moment I can have in my own business. I'm like, oh my God, it's working. It's happening. And so it's so people, working. When people ask me like, how, how do you, 
you know, how do you get more people? Collaboration, collaboration, collaboration. When I first started, I did a progression bar class. It was the very first collaboration I did. I contacted like my top followers that I was also enjoying following them. And we put mm-hmm. a class together and we just put it out there and we just kept sharing. And I just kept sharing and sharing and sharing and not just my moves, not, not just the performative part of it. You know, yeah, exactly. I, I also put out my message and I also am putting out exactly who I want to be speaking to, who I want to be engaging with, you know, and I'm, I'm calling out to those people constantly, but it just like, if we just think about it as like an in-person experience, like, is anyone going to come to your party if you don't talk to them? No, no, <laughs> plain <laughs> and simple. Like, no, no, it's yeah. so it takes time. And that's the hard, hard work part of it is that it it does take time, you know, and it takes a lot of effort and a lot of creative thinking of like, okay, like how can I collaborate and do something with so-and-so, even if it's just for fun or just to like exposure in another way. And it doesn't have to be big brands. It doesn't have to be like a carbon 38. It doesn't have to be a Lululemon that all of a sudden you're their ambassador and this and that, like, because sometimes it's bigger brands. yeah, you get free clothes. Cool. Do you want free clothes? Awesome. I did it. I wanted free clothes. I needed mm-hmm. to shoot videos and new clothes. I did all kinds of collaborations with those companies. Yeah. But then, okay, then who, you know, who next? Who's actually going to be bringing you people and who can you bring people to? So it does take a lot of creativity and there's not just one, I think, pathway to follow on that. Um, I agree. I mean, you bring up not to get off topic, but like, you know, you bring up and I, and I hate to say anything that sounds in any kind of negative realm about any company, but, um, you know, you brought up carbon 38 and actually when I started kind of collaborating with bar variations at that time, I applied for carbon 38 Mm. and I got it. I got a couple emails back, you know, you have to go through their whole process and they have to like check your social media site because they're, Mm. they're checking for your basically the numbers that mm-hmm. you have on there. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's certain requirements. They want you to have like a YouTube. There's a lot of things that you have to check off the list. So I didn't get accepted to do it. And I was kind of like bummed out for a little while. Cause I thought, gosh, like, I know, like I'm talented enough to do this. And I know that like, they, th- this would be great for carbon, you know, like yeah, without yeah, patting yeah. myself on the back, but you know, it just, it was, it came down to the numbers. It came down that I wasn't established enough online and Um, and that kind of sucks, you know, but it's, it's really, it's a visual platform and you kind of have to, you kind of have to play the game if you want to get in with those bigger companies, um, with the Lululemon thing, you know, they have like their ambassador programs. And I have a couple of friends that actually are ambassadors for Lululemon and they, you know, they like it, but there's another, you know, you're selling a product too. It's like, think about, you know, even for carbon 30, even in the best situation, right? Even mm-hmm. in the best situation, how much money a month are you actually raking in from selling a pair of leggings, right? At this exactly. Point in the game, at this point in the game, you know, there's other products out there. Oh, become an affiliate. Okay. If I'm using whatever, like the only, you know, I use the things that I promote. If I'm not mm-hmm. using them, I don't care. I also don't rely on it as any significant income. I think I made $3 off of a pair of socks in the last year. I'm like, cool. Like, sweet. I like, great. Send me some socks. I love them. I, you know, shout out to Queen Studio. I love them. Yeah. But I, I actually love them and I wear them, you know, so it doesn't matter to me. But if we start thinking like, you know, the po- it becomes like the shiny popular thing to do. Right? Yeah. 38 is very, and it's like, oh, wow. Like this could be a great asset. And, and it can, even these ambassador programs, and I've done them, like, they mm-hmm. can be great. And then it com- becomes a moment where it's, oh, I have to pay taxes on the clothing now. Oh, okay. Now I got it. Okay. Uh, how much work are we doing promoting other people's products compared to our own self? And is it exactly authentic alignment with your brands? Like, um, I think for a hot second, I toiled with that, um, you know, a, a I'm not going to name drop them, but a okay. cle- I'm sure you can imagine who they are. A facial cleanser company. Mm-hmm. And it was like all of a sudden within 24 hours, I think like 10, 100,000 people, like everyone posted the same thing the next day. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. 
oh no yeah like you're like no thanks we all just got duped into like their huge marketing good for you I like your product but not enough that I want to like continue it as like a second business so you have to be really really like aligned again in collaboration so I think so too and I think with those like online you know I'll get those and in my direct messages every now and then, I think like pineapple clothing is one that keeps like repetitive, like just constantly, you know, and they send them to everybody. I'm like, no, no, no. Because for me, like, I don't even wear workout clothes. Like I, I literally, and I wear dance clothes. So for me, it's like, like you said, it has to be in alignment with what I actually wear. And it's, it's either ballet shoes or it's bar socks and it's usually tights and a leotard and that's it. And it's, and stuff I've had in my closet probably for <laughs> 10 years. So that's the other thing I was like, I don't, ha- I don't have the space to keep stacking leggings upon leggings. I wear the same like five things. And I always like once in a while we'll do a post of like, look, Michelle's in the same outfit again, like every square <laughs> here I am in the same outfit, but mm-hmm. you know, again, like even as teachers, we don't have, we're not the ones necessarily making the big bucks as a community, as a whole. So we have to really think about like, where are we putting our energy? How Mm -hmm. many hours are we spending on social media? Are we promoting everything else under the sun? What are those collaborations look like? And, you know, do you, I know, like, do you need all of these different outfits to look like a different Harry Potter character in your (laughs) that day? Like, no, don't. Exactly. It's adorable, but like you don't need that. You can have your same outfit and still sell something really amazing. And I would like to call it classic, a classic look where like no one knows that you didn't change your outfit for 10 years. Like (laughs) it's classic. I I like that. It's the classic look. Exactly. Yeah, I think there's a lot of smoke and mirrors, like, and we know as performers, like the behind the scenes more than you know, the general public. And then when we're crossing over into a different industry, into fitness, and we're like, oh, that won't happen here. And we see a lot of smoke and mirrors. No one's going to post about like their worst sales of the month. Oh, no, no. No one's going to do that. So it's always like taken with a grain of salt of like, you're going to see my happiest self on here. And, you know, I think I posted today during this recording, like, um, canoe going down a river and it's like this is what people think my business looks like and this This is is, really is and it's yeah it's it's not been a smooth ride for me this year either but the more professional you are the more steadfast and grounded you are in what you're doing to other Mm -hmm. people it does look way more which is great you you want that um yeah also have to like again take even me with a grain of salt as well you know like take it all with a grain of salt on social media because you're not in everybody's books you're not in everybody you know you're not in everyone's quickbooks or exactly collaborations are actually being pulled pulled in now you know short of being a celebrity and you're like okay I charge five grand a post or I charge twenty thousand dollars a post which is crazy to think about but you know, you really, it's so funny that you brought up the canoe because I, I think you posted that yesterday in your yeah. stories and I laughed. I, I literally laughed out loud when I saw that because it's so true. You know, we just like, we see everyone's highlight reel. Um, and you just think that like, oh, they're just winning all the time. And they're just, you know, they have all these clients. They're just making all this money, but really everyone's really just trying to stay afloat, you know, trying, trying to make everything their, work. Exactly. Everyone's trying, trying to do their thing their thing and whatever you know ups or downs they're riding at that moment and you know it plays into the performance aspect of it like you know even with the reels like I think that kind of for me I feel like lately again I enjoy them I like scroll and laugh hysterically I think it speaks to like my sense of humor Mm -hmm. but it also like a little painful because I'm like oh my god now now we all have to be like amateur actors and actresses I have to look surprised and point to a thought bubble and a word and then like push it away like oh man Mm -hmm. like I feel like I'm back in like comp 101 no offense I feel like we're again like all these amateur performers that absolutely like no I rolled on the ground like I I did no I can't yeah. like my modern dancers like no I like contract to the floor and I like contract a ball. <laughs> I'm like, oh. well and I think here's the thing with this like I was thinking about this before we got on the call today too um oh I lost my can you hear me I can hear you yeah okay I lost my little 
ear thingy. Okay. But I was thinking about this too. You know, if you're in the fitness industry or you're, you know, promoting your business or your brand online, you, you're already keen to all of the kind of, like I said, the, the tricks and the, uh, the things that are happening. But if you're just on social media and you're not, um, you're not promoting anything, you know, you're just kind of on there to use it socially, but you are buying from brands and businesses and things like that. It's, that's what bothers me is because it's this perception of, you know, having the greatest product or, um, being the best of the best when in reality, maybe it isn't. And just because those numbers are there, people are, they're purchasing. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They're being deceived in a little bit of a way, I guess. Yeah. I think what's frustrating is, is, um, I'm not going to call it amateur hour, but maybe I will a little bit. Maybe, I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't get this unfiltered all the time, but I think amateur hour is, is winning a little bit, Mm -hmm. um, where you're seeing people that maybe are not trained, maybe haven't been training as long as you feel like they should. And again, this is judgment. Mm -hmm. I'm completely aware of that, but I think what's frustrating for people who have been either in the industry for a very long time who are trying to pivot their business or who are trying to do the thing and Mm -hmm. feel solid, you know, having that deception kind of in front of your eyes and that performance in front of your eyes all the time, it's hard because you're like, amateur hour. Like if only I would sell my soul and do a real 10. Exactly. Or like, okay, like it's just not where my heart is. Mm-hmm. And I know it's not authentic for me. So I have to kind of be like, okay, then maybe I won't gain like 200 followers a day. Okay. Like, then I'm okay with that. Like I had, you have to kind of like, I have to check in. I shouldn't say you, I should, I, I have to check in with myself about that. And mm-hmm. because it can drive you completely crazy because again, it is amateur. I went to school for performance. I went to a conservatory, mm-hmm. all of those acting classes under my belt. I, I got it. I don't feel like I want to exploit it on reels on social on reels. media. I love the people that do it amazing. Like I follow Derek Huff. I follow, um, you should need to follow Shanti. Hilarious. And there's this yeah. like, little girl that like comes up and she's really cute. She does all these bouncy dances. I love it. I think they're funny. I think they're great. And I think they're super talented. They also have a camera crew. They also have someone editing them. They also have, yes. you know what I mean? Like they also have the support. And I think, when it becomes the amateur hour and they're selling like, Oh, I just like, here's how to do the real. I'm like, you are, these people are getting paid to sell the, the facade. And so absolutely the of people are not operating at that. So it's, it becomes, um, you know, a little bit of like hitting your head against the wall. Like, should I be doing this? Should I not be doing this? Am I uh, like, it just becomes crazy. And then I do feel like we've turned a corner in social media where there's a lot, I think it, the majority of it's not social anymore. It's business. Now we're talking yes. to business and just a check-in point maybe for clients. So I think the way um, I see, and maybe you can share like w- what you see in the future of how I seeing it is it's just another tool and it's mm-hmm. not the crazy explosion wild west that it was even five years ago, but maybe what, what do you see it as? Well, you know, I'm not even really sure Michelle at this point, mm-hmm. like, like I said, I'm still kind of like figuring it out, I guess, you know, and every day that I'm on there and every month that I'm on there, I start to, I guess, kind of understand it a little bit more. My husband shared, um, he shared a post with me and it was, it said something to the effect of, you know, Instagram's new algorithm. And it was like, kind of like what you need to do now to support creators on there. And it was, you know, it's like you said, it's always changing. So I don't even, I don't even know if I'm qualified to really answer that question. I'm I'm so new. I'm (laughs) so new on there still. Hit it perfectly where like you're carving your own space out. And I think that's super important for everybody to do, right? You're connecting with other people through other connections and you're gaining genuine relationships and connections, right? Like not to use connections a thousand times, but yeah, you know, I think what it is, I, I, I think for me, I see it as carb. I saw a huge influx in my private Facebook group. I barely engage on, on Facebook, except in that group. And I saw people retreating from Instagram, going to the Facebook group, just to have a place where they don't have to engage all the time. They're getting the mm-hmm. information they can support with each other. And it's like a nice, little space. So I feel like more niches are coming up. I mean, 
I don't talk politics, but we can see it in the media now. People are like, what is this underground? Yeah. People are like just discovering like what Reddit or like, you know, like the GameStop people. I'm like, yes. Absolutely. Like, yeah, the GameStop right? people. Like, mm-hmm. I'm like, guys, you're late to the party. This this was what the internet was. It was forums, chat rooms, sub Reddit, whatever, all of that stuff. I think the more people, you know, I, I think there's going to be good and bad in that. I think it'll get harder to create a community but also you'll be able to really craft your space maybe we'll go back to the website I mean, nobody goes on websites anymore um, exactly I feel like will, that's t- yeah. yeah and I think you know I know the app trend is coming back the, the apps were all the thing and now everybody in fitness has an app well listen do you want apple f- taking 30 percent of your profit I don't <laughs> Well, and that's, you you really talking about everyone having the apps now too. I feel like that is, is definitely, um, it's definitely like a trend. Yeah. I didn't want to say that, but it's definitely a trend and it's also kind of a status thing. I have an app. Um, and so, yeah, if you do, and then if you don't do it, you know, if you don't follow in to that trend, um, then you kind of, you're kind of lost in the shuffle a little bit. And that's what's, that's the frustrating part, you know? So yeah, I, mean, I, what I will say, I, I had conversations with, um, with the app people, let's call them. Okay. And I said, what are you doing for me marketing? Oh, you're going to be in the Apple store. I'm like, great. Are you pushing me to top 10 fitness apps mm-hmm. for the price I'm paying monthly and for the price that you have to dish out just to get it created? It is nothing that a web developer cannot do. It still costs okay. a lot of money to develop an app through anybody, through whatever. Mm-hmm. Because, and then you have to go through the story. You start chipping away at your profit. And it's like, is it worth it? Now start looking at like who has, who has these successful apps, right? Like how long mm-hmm. have they been around? Did they jump on it? And did they have investors from the get-go? And let me tell you, the answer is yes. Do they have a celebrity following? Are they a celebrity have they been around for the last 15 years, 10, mm-hmm. very active as a business on social media? That's the reality, right? Like That's you, the reality. You can yeah. screencast from your phone. And I made the decision to upgrade my website ra- rather than doing an app. I felt that financially it was a better decision for me. Do I want an app? Of course, but I'm not, I don't see the return in it right now for myself because again, Apple's taking 30%. They're not 30%. marketing you. They're mm-hmm. not promoting you. And now you are in like a sea of a million apps. And guess what? People delete apps. They forget about them. I delete apps every day because I'm like, I have no storage to save my video. So delete. Um, and then I download it again when I need it. Uh, but, you know, it's it's so true. And it's I'm all about, you know, I'm all about the bottom line as far as mm-hmm. as far as dollars go. And, you know, if it's not making sense to me financially, and I'm only doing something just to be part of a trend, you know, mm-hmm. I'm just not going to do that. I, it has to make financial sense for me and my family because, you know, my family is part of this too. So if I'm just going out and buying apps and, you know, spending money on things that don't matter or really aren't going to bring that much return back to my business, I'm just not going to do it. Um, I spent a good amount of money when I started, um, when I started my business two and a half years ago on investing in quality equipment mm-hmm. and, um, you know, and renting a space, like I said, from a company that I already had a relationship with, and I knew they were going to be fair with me and they were always fair with me. And so I was able to save quite a bit of money. Cause you know, living in a beach community, like it's very expensive to rent any space here. So I was very fortunate to be able to do that. And, you know, I'm definitely not going to be going out and getting any apps anytime soon. I know that it's totally okay. And I want to make that your, I always ask the herd at the bar and I mm-hmm. think that's so relevant right now. It's like, do I need an app? No, <laughs> get an email list. That's my thing. Like get any, get yeah. on your email list and start like authentically engaging. Because when I survey people and I'm like, do you wish you had an app? Never comes up as like, I don't want to be a part of this because you don't have an app. Mm-hmm. It's, okay. Then it's not my people. And maybe one day, but like, I think that's a huge thing that's happening, you know, in our community. Do I need a large following? And now do I need an app? Do I need this equipment? Do I need, you know, grab your phone. 
Yeah. Use what you have, use what you have and, and start where you can. And, and I think that, I think if you're grounded in yourself and you're confident in yourself and your abilities and you try, and I say try, because it is really easy to get wrapped up in all of those things. Mm -hmm. And I even find myself doing it, you know, throughout the week, like I should be doing more, I should be posting more reels. I should, you know, I should be doing more (laughs) online. Um, But if you really stay grounded in that and you know, like, I think you said it best when we had our coaching calls, you said, you know, you got to find your people, you know, like you have to find who you're really marketing to and then focus on that and focus like on building those relationships. And like, you know, every single person online is not going to be ultimately end up being a client. And it's it kind of like draws back to what you said earlier. Like if they're not engaging and I'm not engaging, or I'm just not interested in the content they're posting, there's real, no, no reason for me to follow their page. And mm-hmm. Um, there's really no reason for them to be on my page. You know, I'm only looking for, I say genuine, as genuine as you can be online, you know, 100%. trying to make those real genuine connections, I guess. I love it. hundred percent on all of that. And I think we just talked ourselves down the, uh, off the cliff of the social media, <laughs> which is, well, yeah. I hope, I'm sure other people listening are going to, I think, take a little bit of a breath and, and feel kind of regrounded in themselves. Cause I know, I know who, you know, again, I know who listens to this and um, it's okay. We're all doing it. We're all doing a great job. And it's what is it was the twilight zone. It's not all what it seems or is that um, twin peaks? I forget. That might be twin peaks. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. But yeah. I think yeah, it's not all what it seems. Um, yeah. Yes. I, I think there's definitely, I, I think there's, and without, like I said, getting too off topic here, but I think this definitely goes into the social media, um, you know, perception of, uh, perception of being, you know, wonderful and fabulous and wealthy and all of those things happening in your business. I think it just, you know, like I said, you just have to be, stay grounded in what you believe in, make those genuine connections. And, um, I, I find myself like, I don't want to say blogging, but I guess like I blog a lot on my page. Like mm-hmm. I, I try to bring up topics that are important to me and not necessarily call out. Cause I don't think that's the right word, but like, if I see something happening, like I, I'm generally, you know, I want answers. I want to know from other instructors. And yeah. I think that that's kind of a snowball effect too, because once people see you doing that, then they're going to talk about it. Maybe it's going to open mm-hmm. their eyes a little bit more and maybe they're going to think about it before they rush out and, you know, by the it's a app conversation. Or, it's a conversation exactly it's, yeah and I think I I like the longer like I'm all about starting the conversation and I think if we can continue to do that as a community and continue to support that then we are continuing to grow a bigger larger cutout of our like, own thing right and we don't have yes. to pay attention and then the other things that maybe look shiny and fabulous don't become so important um absolutely don't align um the last thing i'm going to ask you is the what's in your bar jenny the bar <laughs> we've had snack bar we've had coffee bar we've had wine bar so if there's something that is in your home that you would consider your little bar what would it be like what's I don't know if I understand what like, so I always ask like I know, it's been a while so um I always ask like what's in your bar right super kitschy and so okay. it used to be like what's like your favorite like go-to drink or smoothie or tea or and then it's expanded like to coffee and then uh Lauren Lavelle expanded it into she's like well I don't really have a, a beverage bar she's like but I do have a snack bar so if there's like kind of a go to like you know go to snack or drink yeah or like drink like what is yeah like almost like what's in your bag like what was that like Cosmo used to do like what's in your bag (laughs) yeah absolutely so honestly the two things I think that are always in my bar would be LaCroix Mm -hmm. and that is like my go-to like as soon as I finish filming a class or teaching a class it's like I pull that out of my bag or I go to my fridge and I like down a LaCroix that's like my favorite thing. I look forward to it. And then the, I think they're called Lara bars. Mm-hmm. Is it the Lara bars? And and that would be in my snack bar because that is like just my favorite. I love the chocolate uh, cookie dough one, I think. And that's really like my go-to. Those are the things I always carry with me and, and kind of feel like I need 
they're my necessities. <laughs> we, had, we had to cut off ourselves from LaCroix uh, early on in the pandemic. We were like, how many cases have we gone through like in this week? It's true. Yeah, we were doing, we, we, we do that too. But the, the uh, sparkling water machine doesn't, or what is it, the seltzer? I don't even know. When, when you can do it yourself, the soda pump, yeah. pump not as good. So then we got rid of that too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know it's tough. It's tough going. Um, but yeah, those are like my two favorites. And like I said, if I'm coming, even like coming to the skate park today, I have like two LaCroix in my back, you know, my back seat, just my travel LaCroix. <laughs> That's so California right now. I'm missing it. Like, as you're saying, like the skate park near the beach with your liqueur. Oh, yes. Yes. Streaming as I'm like sitting, watching the snow outside. Oh, it's snowing. That's right. You have snow. (laughs) Snow. Um, We can trade. We can trade for a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Can you tell all of the listeners um, how to find and follow you? Yeah. So you can actually uh, follow me on Instagram at body by Jenny one. And I just recently created or revamped my YouTube channel. And so you can just search me under body by Jenny there, or you can find me on the bar variations website. And yeah, so right now those are about the three uh, spots, but the YouTube has been really fun. I'm totally having a great time creating and putting those videos up there's a lot of stuff to choose from on there and there's a lot on on bar variations as well so so much love it thank you jenny yeah thank you michelle for having me thank you everybody for tuning in if you'd like to write into this podcast send an email to info at barvariations.com. you can follow us all over social media at bar variations And you can also visit the website at www.barvariations.com where you can find show notes, archived episodes, and more. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts.